This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! of the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Chuck Barrett, voice of the Razorbacks, is with us here for his first work on the new year. Chuck, how was your new year's and how are you today? Well, the new year was great and uh, doing well today. Ready to get back at it. Yeah, Feeling good? Well, after not watching? quite ready to get back well, at it, but you know, close. Yeah, you got a few more days and at least another couple until you get to worry about, uh, you know, dealing with Ty and Tommy in the morning. But uh, <laughs> uh, watching football last night, those were, uh, that was really, that was just, I love the way that Matt put it, the theater of college football in our first segment. That's kind of what it felt like yesterday. It's like we were watching a movie, and both games just had great endings. Well, they were both great games. And if you love college football, you love the day, and that day's why we love college football. Uh, Michigan and Alabama was you know, a competitive overtime game. I mean, who could ask for more? The two most, arguably two most storied programs in college football. And then you know, you knew Texas and Washington would be a different type game. Um, we don't see Washington as much here. And we are, and I'll admit it, I mean, we're biased toward our league. And um, But, man, this Michael Penix Jr., I'm not sure I've seen a guy like him before. He's, uh, he's the real deal, and they've got some weapons. I know Michigan's a different team, and they're great defensively. Um, but I'll tell you, Washington is fun to watch. Yeah, you say story franchises that Alabama Michigan uh, uh, matchup. I think that was the sixth matchup they've had in their in their story franchise. And that Michael Penix Jr. kid, uh, we we were talking the first segment, Chuck. What in the last, you know, what what have they been doing this? Eighteen years, twenty twenty two years for the this this playoff four. I I can't remember that I've seen a quarterback that just took over. Uh, almost like a, 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 you would see a point guard or shooting guard in a basketball game. It didn't matter what the coaches called. He was reading to the right side of the field, and he was making the throws where only his guys could catch it. It, it was impressive to watch that, that third quarter stretch he had. What, he hit like 12 in a row? I mean, it was wild. He looked like a pro out there, and he looked like a pro playing with amateurs, and I'm not saying that. Six-year guy, too. That, that yeah, might be said something Well, for that. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's a grown man, and he's been through it many, many times now, but he's just really impressive the way he carries himself. Um you know, some guys try to make the impossible throw, and they can't make it. He tries to make the impossible throw and makes it look routine. Um, now, look, he's uh, that that one receiver. I mean, he can contort his body now. That uh, um, that little guy starts with an O, the OZ guy. Um, he's really. I mean, they really are some uh, are some good players, and they can do a lot of things. And uh, I wished honestly. I found myself last night thinking, I wish I'd watch these guys more during the regular season because they're really entertaining. I, I do think, Phil, that he, they have three guys, one, two, and 11 on that Washington receiving crew. They're going to play on Sundays. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah, and then 37, he looked like, I don't know if he's big enough to be an H-back or whatever they're trying to do at that level, but he has three guys that, that are going to play at the next level. I guess the part of the question here is if they were able to deal with Texas at the line of scrimmage uh, and and kind of blunt that that Texas pass rush. Can you do the same thing to Michigan? Because Alabama, they just they just couldn't block him. Chuck, it was it's amazing. As soon as Milrose steps back, he's got guys in his face, and uh, it's like it's like it's it's like um, it's like Matt had said in the last segment too. You know, Alabama kind of forgot who they are at, at a point, but I feel like Michigan almost made them forget. You do you think Michigan's got an edge in that line of scrimmage like they did in in uh, in the in the in the Rose Bowl? Well, first off, I thought some of the issues that plagued Alabama early in the season reared their head. Uh-huh. Uh, that freshman at the tackle spot uh, early in the ball game, you could tell that that was going to be a soft spot, and that Washington was going to be able to exploit that. Um, Alabama kind of shored a lot of that up to an extent as we moved through the year, but. Um, Washington really exploited that. Now, here's the thing you got to remember. I mean, Washington's offensive line, and they won the Joe Moore Award for Outstanding Offensive Line in America. Again, we don't watch these guys every week. And so um, 
I tend to think they'll be okay against Michigan. I'm not saying they're going to hang 37 on them, but um, I think they'll be able to block them better than Alabama did. Oh, no question, because Texas had two defensive tackles. One of them was the best T tackle in, in the country, and one of them was the Big 12 defensive player of the year. And and they were kind of – they kind of got to Michael a couple of times, but he was – he 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 was making a miss. I think it'd be big to see if if number seven plays for for Washington. And to your point, Chuck, no excuses for Alabama to have. I, I counted at least five times that they were doing the quarterback center exchange in, oh, in the gun, and that's that's a that's a negative play. You can't have that in that game and expect to win. You go back to our game with them, and some of the issues that they had last night with the snap and with the confusion on the offensive line. They were kind of dealing with that up until toward the end of October. And then they began to put it together. Um, But I saw the same Alabama team last night that we'd seen early on. Now, look, the pressure that Michigan brings from their defensive front, that leads to bad snaps. Um, that's, that's, that's what leads to things like that is, is the pressure that comes from having to block guys like that. So I give Michigan a hand in that, but um, I, I was I was surprised, frankly, at the way some of those things came back to haunt Alabama. I, I I thought they'd corrected a lot of that. Maybe they covered up for it with their defense or with turnovers. I don't know, but um, you know they um, they didn't have it going last night. You you watch any of these games and think this George you know, how would Georgia do against them? I'm not worried about how Florida State would yes, do against them. Yes, yes. Yeah. What what do you think? I think Georgia beats them all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. I, I just um, I'll go back to what I said. You know, when Georgia got voted out, if if a win over Georgia was so good that you could vault Bama from eight to four, how could you drop Georgia from one to six? And nobody's beaten them in the last what three years, four years, other than Alabama. So uh, maybe they got a little block against Alabama. Watching Alabama last night, and it still baffles me that they could they could beat Georgia uh, in that championship game. But they did, you know. So you got to give them credit. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hit on uh, we'll hit on the on on the basketball game against Wilmington and coming up this weekend against Auburn later on. Here, as we got Chuck for two segments, we can take calls in the next segment too in the Clarity Daniel Hotline. So uh, line them up at eight seven seven. Three seven seven sixty nine sixty three, but Chuck, the uh, the warp zone uh, closes today. So anybody that, that that wants to leave their program, today's the last day to do it in college football. Um, any surprise about Jaheim Thomas uh, entering his name uh, into the warp zone? Because that uh, to me, kind of can't. I mean, it's last moment, so that's why it comes out of left field. Well, yeah, I think we all kind of kidded ourselves into believing that maybe it was all over we knew kj was still out there and you look around the country i mean there's still guys that are you know making some last minute announcements to answer your question not as surprised as some because you know if you really watch it closely he lost his starting job in november uh by the end of the season he was not starting and um my guess would be that you know he was told that Hey, you may start next year, but you're going to have to go win the job. And there's other guys coming in, too. And they're going to be given every opportunity to win the job as well. So, no, I was, I was, I was not terribly surprised given the way the season sort of ended for him. You know, when the team was no longer, you know, when, when bowl eligibility went out the window, I'll just put it that way. And when you can feel it slipping away, maybe a week or two before it actually happened, I guess maybe after the Mississippi State game, um, you know, there were some guys that, you know, maybe at that point, I'll just say, you know, they knew the season was over. And they knew the warp zone, as you guys call it, was out there. And maybe they started thinking about that. Maybe that was reflected in their play. I'm not saying that happened here, but I'm saying it. it's it's happened. But that's a long answer to say, no, I was not terribly surprised by it. And K.J. Uh, committing to UCF and Gus, uh, I mean, it, it's a system fit. Uh, it's, it's, it's another Power 5 league. Um, I wonder if there were 
how many other options there were. But it does feel like a good fit for Kate for the last season of KJ's career, doesn't it? Yeah, and, you know, that came up the first or second day after he um, announced that he was going into the portal. And I always felt like that made sense because um, he's a one-year guy. Uh, NIL is at play. He had a pretty good deal at Arkansas. I've never thought he would go to an SEC school because I don't know that that kind of NIL money is what you commit for one year. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm sure that for one year you can you can empty the pot down there in Orlando, so to speak, and or find somebody to you know prop him up and and by that I mean not prop him up, but but give him the money that he was making at Arkansas or close to it. He goes down there and lives in the sunshine for a year and. Um, probably enjoys himself a lot, and I do think, from a football perspective, it's 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 going to be a really good fit. And I'll tell you, you know, I watched Matt, you did too, and you know better than anybody on how this works. But I watched a lot of those big SEC linebackers and safeties cower when that guy got downhill to that second level. And I can only imagine what it's going to be against some of these, you know, 205-pound linebackers and 100, you know, 90-pound safeties that a lot of times you face in the Big 12. I, I just think he's going to truck a lot of guys next year. I, I think uh, absolutely. I think he's going to have 3,000 yards passing. Uh, it'll be one of those 700 yards rushing, account for over 30 touchdowns. I, I can think, see that. I think he's going to put on an absolute show. And Gus will turn him loose and let him, uh, I mean, he's, um, and, and also, too, he goes down there knowing he's not going to, I mean, he's going to be the guy. They're bringing him in to be the starter. They're not saying you're going to have to compete. They're saying we're bringing you in to be the man. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua Sign Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. First caller of the year. That must make you awfully proud, JW. How are you today? Hey, well, well, I don't know. Hey, good morning, y'all. Hey, yesterday to me was like football heaven. It don't get much better than that. As a matter of fact, I think the national championship is going to be uh, anticlimactic, so to speak. I don't always. But uh, Georgia should be how it is the way I see it. I got one more comment before before y'all hang up on me. Is that the game I've got circled next year already on the calendar? I've looked at it pretty carefully. We got a bye week before, and we're going to get to beat Texas. And I am so looking forward to that because by that time of the season. We'll either have the pieces in place or we won't, and it should be a serious game. But anyway, Happy New Year to y'all and all the Razorback Nation. Uh, I wish everybody the best. I hope this year brings all the dreams you want to have happen come. All right, J.W., it's good to hear from you, man. I appreciate that. I think <clears throat> I think his cell phone signal missed, the, missed its wake-up call for New Year's Day. Uh, but right about that yesterday was was everything that's fun about college football except for i mean there were a couple of blowouts that really weren't all that much fun to watch liberty blown out by oregon tennessee shuts out iowa um the rely quest bowl was a fun way to kind of spend a chunk of your morning and early afternoon lsu wisconsin was a was a really good game and uh stands look empty in that ball game Chuck, I remember when Arkansas played in that game two years ago, and I think they had, a, they had quite a few more people than uh, than Wisconsin or LSU got there. 
Seems like, and I was I was watching that game yesterday. It was a good game. Maybe the best, uh, you know, the best game until the Rose Bowl of all the bowl games. Um, you know, I remember when we played. There were a lot of empties in the upper deck. I mean, there were there were some fans there. I, I didn't I didn't get a close look yesterday. Um, you know, it's uh, it's an expensive trip. That would be the one thing that I would say. Wisconsin fans have always traveled pretty well. Uh, this was not a great year for them. But generally speaking, like when they've gone to the Rose Bowl uh, in the past, I mean, they, it seems like half the state's been down there. Um, it was a little bit different. I, I don't, I don't think LSU people were quite as enthused, and I don't, I don't, I don't know how well they traveled, to be honest with you. Chuck, I do want to ask you a couple questions on about this basketball team with SEC play. Uh, it's just right here. I, we we start off Saturday. Uh, did, did we find our guy in in our point guard in Minifield? Is is he that guy you think that can can kind of get him to? to I mean, kind of be the guy that we need. Well, he's going to get every chance to be, and so far so good. Um, I don't know that he's the savior by any stretch, but you can tell. And Must said this, and I I I think it's evident that the other guys like playing with him. Um, they enjoy it when he's out on the floor. Uh, they seem to play better when he's out there on the floor. Now, look, they're going to be challenged in a big way Saturday. I mean, Auburn's playing well. They're, I think they're in the top 25. This 10 and week, 2, if I'm yeah. Not mistaken. Yeah, so uh, then you've got to play two road games. And, you know, Georgia and Florida have played well in non-conference play for the most part. So, um, and as we've discussed, you can't afford to stumble out of the gate this time. And if you really look closely at what's happened in some of Muss's years, the struggles have come about the time conference season began. They'd start out a little bit slow in league play, and then they'd turn it on. Well, they've already been through that stretch now. And it came a little earlier this year than conference play. So you don't have the luxury of starting out, you know, one and three or two and four, and then, you know, bouncing back from that. Maybe you can, but, um, you know, they um, – I thought the other night, from an offensive standpoint, there was the best flow that they've had this year, um, with the exception of maybe the maybe the Duke game. Um, I think as every day wears on, we we should have seen last year with our own team, and we should have seen this year with Purdue that exhibition games maybe don't matter as much as we might think. Um, but I thought their 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 flow offensively was really good. Saturday night, and um, um, they're going to have to continue to play that way, and they're going to have to play better defensively. Uh, they gave up a lot of points. Now, the game kind of dictated that. They still won by 16, um, but Auburn's good. I mean, every game, I, I don't think this team right now, when you look at them, um, I think they're a threat to beat anybody at Bud Walton Arena. In fact, I'd take my chances with them in every game at Bud Walton Arena, but they're going to have to find a way to win some road games. Uh, that, that, that may end up being the difference as to whether or not they make it or not when we get to March. Taking a couple of phone calls, Juwan in Fayetteville is with us here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Happy New Year, Juwan. How you doing? Happy New Year. How y'all doing? I'm doing well myself. Good, Juwan. Those, those playoff games yesterday were the best playoffs we've seen in a while. Uh, the thing I really liked about the Alabama-Michigan game was the physicality. You could tell about three, four plays in, that was going to be a physical football game. They were running through each other. There was one play where a Michigan receiver caught the ball. Kool-Aid McKissie grabbed him, picked him up, and slammed him. There was no flag called. So I, I, that got me out of my seat right there. I'm like, this is going to be a physical football game. And all game long, they were just hitting, hitting. Nobody was backing down. But I, I kind of predicted, me personally, I predicted Michigan to come out and dominate that game like that. Alabama's line cannot pass block at all. They have the biggest line out with 350-pound linemen across the board, bigger than the NFL guys. But they're really slow. They're not athletic at all. So they gave up those five sacks in the first half, and Michigan found something. So... Jalen Milrow, he scrambled a little bit, but he really couldn't scramble around like he did all season and just improv. Michigan had a really good game plan, and I think their physicality shocked Alabama that they were so physical. I think um, Georgia, when they seen Georgia across the board from them, 
they were up for more of the challenge. There's the SEC championship title on the line. But Brock Bowers, we have to remember, Brock Bowers was not 100% at all. And Lyad McCocky was not 100% at all. They were really, really banged up and injured. So Georgia really didn't have much on offense. Michigan came, they've been doubted all year, so they had the doubt factor with them. So they played with their back against the wall, and they came out victorious. So I'm just interested to see what they're going to do against Washington. I've seen that Washington game coming as well. Texas can't defend anybody on a pass play. They, they get Washington in third down. They cover a doomsday. They cover McMillan. They cover Pope. But Jack Westover, the tight end, was making a killing on third down. I think he caught six balls. At least three or four of them were on third down. And we also have to give flowers to Kalen DeBoer's coaching ability. Uh, at the end of that second half, Texas had them in like a fourth and one, I believe. He lined up. First, they tried to get them to jump off sides. When they seen they couldn't get them to jump off sides, they called a timeout. Everybody's like, that's a stupid timeout. They came right back out. They got the fourth down. I think they eventually scored a touchdown right before halftime, and then they got the ball back. I thought that game was going to get out of control after the Cedric Baxter fumble. And um, I'm just happy that Washington went ahead and won that game. I put a little money on them on prize picks. I won't say how much, but I put a little money on them, so I came back good on both games. And I think we're going to have a really good championship game. I hope that Washington can match the physicality of Michigan because they are animals. That offensive line... It's a it's a Joe Moore Award finalist for a reason. Washington Joe Moore Award winner. So you have two good offensive lines that are going to be going up against each other. Can Michigan generate some passing? Will they have to throw the football? That's what I'm wondering. Will they have to throw the football at all? And can they cover McMillan and Jalen Poe in a doomsday? And the status of Dylan Johnson still up in the air. But other than that, I think we're going to have a really, really good championship game. Those are two of the best playoff games I've seen in a while. But as far as the best teams in college football goes, I have Missouri and Ole Miss right up there with everybody. Missouri completely shut Ohio State out beside that three points that they got. Missouri, they're looking really strong for next season. And Ole Miss, the way they went out there and dominated Penn State, they're looking scary for next season with the portal additions that they made with Walter Nolan and all the other guys they've got. I'm really excited for next season. I appreciate you guys. Hope you guys have a good one. You got Pretty good Juwan. assessment Chuck, of a lot of things. Yeah. I don't know if you've had Juwan on, on the morning rush too often, but I think you just met our new director of video scouting here on halftime. It's pretty good. Pretty knowledgeable. You know, he brought up Kalen DeBoer's name, the coach at Washington. Again, in our part of the world, you know, I, I doubt two in ten Razorback fans knew who the coach of Washington was. This guy won three NAIA national championships, and I know it's NAIA, yeah. but he went 67-3. and three. You know, and then he decided he was going to become a D1 coach, and he went to, I guess, Southern Illinois, became an offensive coordinator, and just kind of worked his way through the ranks. But this guy can coach, evidently. And I, the sequence he was talking about in the first half, I was one of those people thinking, what are you doing calling the timeout for? And then they lined up and they ran it, and they got it. And um, they were the better team by far last night. And, I, and Texas is good, but Washington was better all night. Cecil, you can take us up into the break. We've got Cecil here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Happy New Year, Cecil. How are you? Happy New Year, fellas. Uh, man, I got so much to say, but I know I ain't got no lot of time to say it. But hopefully y'all had a great Christmas. Happy New Year's. Uh I lost money last night on both games. I was wrong. Of course, I'm going to ride with the SEC. Um, Alabama, to me, got out coached, man. They made a lot of mistakes. That last play, I didn't understand that play right there. Because when you have one second, they got blessed to have the, another play. After they really just – it was just a bust to play, basically, because he threw it out of bounds. But the, he had one second to go. So – what do you do? You just run the ball up the middle. It was a bad snap. Like you just said earlier, it was bad snaps all through the season. So you got to give yourself an option. You got a good quarterback that's really physical. He's fast and he can throw. So do a play action pass or something. Cause you have options. If you just run and get, 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 you get tackled. That's the game. You, at least you can pass the ball off or do something. 
it was a great game. Alabama, like I say, they made a lot of mistakes and almost still won the game. They scored, I'm like, they were 14 points down. It was like, what, two minutes to go, less than two minutes or three minutes or something like that. And then they came all the way back to the one second to go to win the game. But they lost. So I, um, Washington has a really good team. They execute really well, and that quarterback can throw that football. So I don't know who to pick in the championship game. Michigan's good. I guess they got the two best teams in there other than Georgia. I still think Georgia's the best team. But um, And then hopefully the playoffs next year, they will get this stuff corrected, man. Do away with all the little mediocre bowls, the five, six and five, six, six, six and six teams. Just let them, hey, you had a good season, give them a ribbon or, or, or something and let them ride, man. Have a party for them after, in the union, student union or something. But that's really messing up a lot of stuff. And again, how they doing like uh, Florida State, they uh, had all those players opt out. And they're getting paid that money, and that's, that's ridiculous. They're going to have to fix that. And you know what? When you always come up with something new, it, it takes a few years to fix it. I'm sure the NCAA will get that right. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Time to talk with Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation. Get a piece of her time every Tuesday. Happy New Year, Alyssa. How you doing? I'm great, guys. Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year. Yes, ma'am. Alyssa, so... I mean, what theater, what, how awesome, uh, was last night. And, and we, we had talked earlier about picking one of the games, uh, Phil and I did about, you know, if you could just choose one, uh, it's a good thing we didn't because, uh, both of them were, had, 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 were phenomenal in their own right. Uh, what were your takeaways in those, in those two games? Yeah. Uh, really fun football, uh, for sure. And, um, I think, when it was all said and done, I remember Saul and I looked at it. So I was like, "That was that was really fun. Couple hours of football between uh, Michigan and Alabama and um, and Washington and Texas." And uh, I'm rooting for Washington in this one. Both my sister and brother-in-law are alums of UW and still live in Seattle, so that's where my loyalty is lying. So I was really glad to see the Huskies get the win last night, but got a little nervous. I wasn't going to lie. I thought they were going to throw that safe back the end zone again uh, to number uh, what, number five. And uh, the guy that used to play at Georgia, and I was like, oh, no, Texas has got this. But uh, Washington was able to prevail, which was a lot of fun, and I'm excited uh, to see Michigan and Washington play. But I don't think you could have asked for two better football games. Uh, really sad kind of the way that Alabama – it felt a little bit of um, of a letdown after such an exciting game that that's how that Alabama-Michigan game ended with Jalen Milrow in the bad snap and kind of just like falling in – uh, to the line of scrimmage. I wish it was a little bit more exciting than that, but uh, that's what we got, and, and still two really good football games. Yeah, I could not believe that. Uh, I counted over five times that they, they, they mm-hmm. had a snap like that, and that's just such an elementary uh, error to, to, to be this late in the in the season. And not to put a damper on this, Alyssa, but I do want to get your thoughts on, on Michigan making it to, to the championship and just kind of mm-hmm. what they've went through with kind of the stain uh, on college football that it seems like everybody's just swept it under the rug and, and they've everybody's already moved on from it. Yeah, I think you kind of have to look at it both ways uh, or two different ways in a sense. Um, Michigan has a lot of baggage, has a lot of outside noise, everything that went on with the cheating scandal and 
um, some other stuff and uh, Harbaugh being suspended twice. And, you know, that can be a team that can be really distracted. So I think I commend that locker room for staying focused uh, because a lot of times those things that are happening with your coaching staff, whatever those details are, right? No, I don't know how many people truly know what was going on with both of those occasions. Um, the players don't always have anything to do with it or a lot to do with it at all. So that for them to stay focused and, and continue to execute at a high level, um, you do have to kind of tip your cap to them uh, for shutting up that noise. Now, do you feel like this is going to be tainted? If Mich- You know, there's a lot of people on social media who are like, I cannot believe the NCAA isn't doing anything. Like, you have reprimanded this team twice this year, yet it's no big deal, and now they could win a national championship. And I think some people are just disappointed in that way. But, again, at the same time, they still showed up, got their business done, um, and, and now can play for a title. So it's, it's, it's such a, you know, catch-22 the way that you look at it. But... Um, you know, let's see what happens next week. If they win the national title, I think it'll be a big topic of conversation during the off season. Should things have been done to this team, yada, yada. If Washington wins it, I think, like you said, everyone kind of forgets about it. And I, but before we get into, uh, we, we got a little more football talk. I want to switch over, uh, Alyssa and, and ask you about yeah. this basketball team. Uh, that's that's starting. It seems like they're coming in. Maybe we found our point guard. And I know it's a team effort. You're going to need a collection of, uh, of guys to in and, and the SEC's tough. The SEC right now I, I think I got us going seven and two at home and two and seven on the road. That go that gets us to about nine and nine. That that's kind of where I see this team at. What are your yeah. thoughts going in as if you've seen all these tune ups and, and they're ready. We we seem like we got our guys uh in the maybe the point guard we, we found out who it's gonna be. What are your thoughts going into this Saturday? Well I feel a lot better than I did a week ago or two weeks ago for sure, uh, when this team just couldn't figure stuff out. And having Keon Menafield, we've seen since he's been able to play how valuable of a guy he wants. It's why they got him out of Washington um, and the transfer portal. It's why he was an all-Pac-12 freshman, um, all-freshman team last year. So I think that that's good, and it makes you feel a little bit better that maybe they have that glue guy. That, that And, you know, we've talked about that's what Devo Davis is, but – you know, at this point, maybe they needed something fresher, and that's what Keon Menafield is, and so maybe that changes things. However, defensively, they continue to need to get better, and that's where I'm worried, that on the defensive end, that they are just going to not be able um, to, to slow down some of these top SEC teams like your Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, Alabama, Texas A&M right now, like where is your defense going to allow you to land in the SEC? And I think that's where it all hinges on is can they – obviously they can score, but can they keep the other team from scoring a lot? And so I think it's going to be really interesting what these first couple of games show, specifically having to start with Auburn at home. Um, but I feel much better about this team now than I did, like I said, a week ago. Well, Emory Ellis should be returning to practice, I think, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, the women's team opens up conference play at Kentucky. That's a team that's really struggling. They get Kentucky twice in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting Emory back, is that enough? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jenna's kind of growing into a role. Uh, I'm not sure if Christina yeah. Sanchez or Kaya is ready to get a lot of minutes yet. Is, is Emory enough for this depth, or do you, you think there, there might be a little, need a little, somebody else to step up to? Yeah, well, I think they're headed in the right direction for sure. I was really impressed with the way that they continued to find ways to win without her and without that depth and, and playing only seven girls or eight girls, you know, when they did in, in Fort Myers and being able to still find success. And I think that's a big uh, testament to, you know, Michaela Daniels and Sailor Poffenbarger and Sam Spencer and that, that experience that they have. Uh, but they're going to need that depth. And so they're going to need Emery Ellis to come in there and Jenna Lawrence to continue to play well. She's been averaging about 10 minutes, I think, these last couple of games when she has played. And neighbors have said her offense is there. It's all about the defense. And that's where you gain and lose confidence a lot is on that defensive side of the ball. And if she can continue to get better defensively, then she could be a huge – I would love to see her – be that sixth person off the bench, honestly, when it's all said and done with this women's team towards uh, as we get closer to March. I think she's got that capability to be that player. She just needs to take a little bit of a step forward 
um, defensively. And uh, she can be a really big key for this team. But I think just getting Emery Ellis and having that depth is like, you know, a little bit of a sigh of relief for the rest of her teammates. They don't feel as much pressure because they know I can't come out because I don't really have anyone to take my spot. Or Miriam Dattis, you know, she continues. I say foul trouble, but you look and she's got four fouls a game. And so Miriam's got a little bit of um, weight off her shoulders as well, knowing that, you know, she can continue to play cleaner, but also know that, like, I'm not putting my team in a bind if I'm now on the bench because I'm in foul trouble and we have no one else to work with. So, uh, yeah, they play on the road at Kentucky. Should be a good one. So you get to call a game in Rupp Arena, which has got to be fun too, right? Yeah, it's only the second time the, the women's team has ever played at Rupp. I've only been inside yeah. uh, just to look at a concert crowd. That was it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see this building. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So we'll see. All that to say, Emory Ellis back is not at all a bad thing for this women's team. Alyssa, I, I, I know you got your, your eyes on that Baltimore-Miami game. It's a regular season game, <sighs> and, you know, things happen. There, there's a lot of good teams out there. Uh, <laughs> nothing, you know, it's just how it goes. That, yeah. what, what, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? You get, you get Buffalo coming into town mm-hmm. for a chance. Uh, now, if y'all win this game, you get a home field game, right? Yes. Yep, because you, you win the AFC East. Um, and if you lose, Buffalo wins with the tiebreaker because they swept you this regular season. So I'm definitely nervous because of where Miami is trending right now um, from an injury standpoint. You know, they didn't have Jalen Waddle. They didn't have Raheem Mostert last week against Baltimore. And now Bradley Chubb is out with an ACL uh, injury for the rest of the season, which sucks. So, um, you know, do you play Jalen and Rashad this weekend knowing that you don't necessarily need to win this game? You're already in the playoffs, but you'd love to be able to play at home. Do you save them and keep them healthy for a playoff win, which they haven't had in years? Um, I, I don't know how you approach this one, um, but I am a little nervous because I feel like Miami had so much momentum and this injury bug is really hitting them at the wrong time right now. Um, I don't even think Tyreek Hill's maybe necessarily 100%. So um, I've still got my hopes up. I want to thank everyone on Twitter who reached out this weekend because it was a rough football weekend for me. But at the same time, I had to put it into perspective. It wasn't that long ago where all of my teams, the team that I cover in Arkansas and the teams that I follow in Florida State and Miami, they're all terrible. So right now I, I can see some silver lining and perspective on it. Okay. I was okay. Alyssa, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> spring training is right around the corner. The Dodgers are about to go 162 and 0. No, don't worry. They'll go 162 and 0, and then they'll lose in the playoffs because of how weird yeah. uh, the playoffs to, are now. To to the Padres of all things. Right, exactly. That's what they do. Uh, well, a happy New Year, Alyssa. <laughs> Always enjoy you visiting with us. Thank you so much uh, for this, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, happy New Year to you guys, too. We'll talk next week. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels Crown Salted Caramel, winter seasonal beers, eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Get a little farther into yesterday's playoff games and the upcoming national championship game with the king of college football talk, Bill King, National Sports Radio, morning host 6 to 9. And, Bill, Happy New Year. Um, How are you feeling after staying up late last night? Those were invigorating games to watch. Oh, I feel great, man. If, if you're going to lose sleep, that's the way to do it. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, who's losing more sleep uh, after uh, after yesterday, though? Is it the uh, losing fans of uh, Alabama and Texas? Wh- which of these two teams do you feel might have had a better shot if they were able to find a way to move on? Alabama fans are spoiled for obvious reasons. 
I would, I don't know, maybe because at the, what, four-minute mark, you've got a touchdown lead, and you, you feel like it, this is Alabama. Historically, there's no better team than Alabama on average. They're going to finish this thing out and go on to the championship. Maybe, maybe, and I know Bama fans a little bit better than I know Texas fans. Is there, was there anything yesterday that 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 kind of that surprised you? You know, I mean, so people say they're surprised to see that Washington can withstand uh, the physicality that you saw yesterday, but they did the same thing against Oregon. I, I wonder if there was anything that surprised you about what you saw uh, from uh, from either of the two playoff games yesterday. I didn't think that Michigan athletically would be equal to Alabama and Alabama's down in athletes offensively but I still thought that Alabama athletically would have a bigger advantage and I know most of the first half I was probably a little surprised even though Michigan is certainly built on physicality that they were winning both sides of the line of scrimmage at that time I think that one caught me a little off. I picked Alabama. I thought Alabama would win that game. So that probably was what surprised me. What didn't surprise me is I had, I think I had both those games pegged stylistically. I thought that Alabama would win 24-21, so the total was about right. And I thought that that, that Texas game, UW game, would be in the 30s. Stylistically, those games were exactly what I thought, but the outcome in the Alabama game was not. Yeah, I, did, I there's no excuses, <clears throat> Bill, for for Alabama. I was surprised that they had what five six the quarterback center exchange this this late in the year. That that can't be an issue, uh, where where that's right. cost costing you plays. And and then I thought it was a, a welcome to the to the world for people that maybe not have seen Monic, uh, Michael Penix Jr. and that that's that group of receivers and that running back and 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 just the talent they had out there and. I, I don't know, Bill, the, the last, you know, if, if you just look back to the, the last three, four, five years that I've seen yeah. a quarterback take over a football game like Michael did last night. As far as a game, in the play, of, as far as a game, you know, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out of Tampa, guys, he was committed to Tennessee. Tennessee got rid of Butch Jones, who had him committed. Jeremy Pruitt's crew comes in and they tell Pennick they don't think he can play for him. But, yeah, he's a heck of a player. He's had two bad injuries. He's recovered from that. He transferred from IU, followed Coach DeBoer out there, and it's been a glamorous, I mean, a wonderful situation. Kalen DeBoer versus Jim Harbaugh in the national championship game. Do you give an edge to either of these teams because of who's coaching them? I'd probably give an edge to UW with the athletes, but the only thing, Harbaugh has got more enemies than anybody and doesn't care, obviously, about who doesn't like him. But considering that the haters all made it sound like the only reason they had success was because of stealing signs and signals and cheating, which I never bought into that that ferociously like the critics out there, I could see him out the door winning it, heading to the NFL with a giant bleep you to everybody. I really could. Is, 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 is nobody's given Washington much a chance, and and you, you know you just talked about how physical Michigan is and and yeah. was against Alabama, and and I thought you know but Florida State, I thought they had a really good front seven. I I, I thought Michigan, uh, yeah, probably the best front seven. Uh, this year in, in in college football is if if Washington's running back can't go, how do you kind of uh, see this one going, Washington and Michigan? This will be the best group of receivers they've seen. Ohio State hadn't been full health for a while. Now, now Marvin Harrison Jr. when he was playing before he opted out, but the depth at Ohio State's never been right with all the injuries and the issues they've had. This will be the best quarterback receiver running back combination that they've seen and it's going to take I, it's going to take more points than it took uh, in the Alabama game and I don't Michigan's favorite now guys I looked this morning I haven't looked today if that line moved around but it was around four four and a half I think athletically Washington can do some damage here 
I think it's still at four and a half. We just looked in the last commercial yeah. break, still at four and a half. But I wonder about, uh, do you think that changes if, uh, if, I wonder about, about if Dylan Johnson is available or even if he is, if he's, if he's anywhere close to 100%. That's why I look at right. Washington without him or even with him and they might be not, not a one trick pony, but, and I mean, they're they're a little more balanced, but without Johnson or even not at a hundred percent, I wonder how balanced they can be. And man, I know I know Washington is so good at protecting the quarterback, but when I watch, right. and Alabama had some troubles all throughout the season, so I mean that to me is is really key. If they can keep Penix upright, because Michigan's coming after him. Michigan is a very tough guy, led at the top from the top, Coach Harbaugh team. A very tough guy team, and they'll fight you in an alley. They'll fight you in, on the on the streets, uh, parking lot, wherever you want to fight. It's a tough guy team, and something's got to give in this game. The storyline, guys, not that that's necessarily the the dictator of an outcome, but the storyline favors Michigan. I, yeah, I I, I I I know what you're saying with the athletes Washington has and that that front seven and and yeah right. Washington should be able should be able to hang with them. Uh, I I do want to get your, yeah. your your thoughts on KJ Jefferson, uh, Arkansas's quarterback uh, the last few years, record setting guy, uh, is going down to Orlando to to play with Gus. And I looked at what their quarterbacks had last year, and and I want to say it's a, it's around. They had two guys going around 3,200 yards and, you know, 600 yards rushing is kind of what their quarterback is. And I, I think KJ could put up real similar numbers to that. Yeah, John Bryce Plumley, uh, former Ole Miss uh, football and baseball player, um, down there quarterbacking and, and very good athlete. I remember John Rice Plumley as a true freshman playing that 19 LSU team. That mm-hmm. was so good. And he ran for, he ran for like 250. He looked like you out there. He ran for 250 yards in that ball game. And of course, never got the quarterback job full time. But yes, I think that's a good fit. I think going down there with Gus, good friend of mine, Herb Hand, is the offensive line coach down there. I know they're excited about it. I think that might well work. I do. Nico Iamaleva had a really nice debut. Uh, that's, uh, he looks, I mean, it's one game, so you can't necessarily just go off of that, but um, that's definitely going to boost Tennessee fans' ego going into this next season because he looked like the real deal. He has everything that you could draw up to be a superstar. He's six six. He's got a gorgeous arm. He's athletic for a guy that long, like like Matt Jones, can flat out run. He's twitchy too for a guy that long. And he looked like he was in command. The only thing he needs to learn is he had to eat the ball too many times. And that'll come, Matt will tell you with reps. He ate the ball too many times. He didn't get rid of the ball, but he didn't fumble either doing that. That's the good part. And once that comes, God knows how good they can be with him. They've got the running backs. They might well lead for Evan Stewart. That could be interesting. Bill, uh, watching a little bit, some of the, the other bowl games, if I said, yeah. hey, man, you get stock for next year and you can take – and I'm not going to give you Alabama or Georgia's or, or even Texas coming to SEC, but – the, you, you probably know where I'm going with this. You you get stuck, and next year you can only take one of these teams, and that's Ole Miss or Missouri. Who are you taking? Ole Miss. This is the best Ole Miss team coming back in my memory, in my lifetime. I don't re- remember a more complete situation now that Dart has confirmed he's coming back, which figured he would. They've got a fantastic running back in Junkins. They're adding the three best defensive linemen on three teams throughout the uh, the South, and uh, they got our the, best linebacker. The, your linebacker, yes, at Arkansas, and their high school defensive line recruiting is the best that state's been, and I don't know when. Three just immediate impact guys you can rotate at least. I don't know what. I, I think they're still trying to find out. If there's an offensive lineman or two in the portal, if there's an area where maybe they could use some shoring up, that might be it. This is the best Ole Miss team I can recall on paper. Good enough to give Georgia a run for them. And it's the thing they couldn't do. I mean, they were great this year. They couldn't beat the two best in the league. Is this the year maybe? I mean, 
who, who knows what these teams look like at some point. But, uh, you know, you're talking, in, you're talking in ways that nobody has talked about Ole Miss ever. Ever. Uh, and we weren't around for Johnny Vaughn. That'd be the last time. But make it a fair fight. Could, could they hold up to Georgia in the trenches for 60 minutes? That's tough. Right, and and Georgia's always going to be at the very top in the trenches, and Georgia's getting some good players in the portal at wide receiver. They get a super running back in the ATN kid who they're going to plug in. That's an upgraded running back for them, and they've got a potential high pick coming back at quarterback. You would you would still favor Georgia, but would that be a more fair fight? I think so. Last thing: Are there too many bowl games. Somebody earlier here said, um, you know, give them a give them a nice ribbon, you know, a little parting gift, uh, just for having a nice season. I still think there's a place for bowl games that just fly under the radar for people when Mac plays the Sun Belt or Conference USA plays against the American Conference. Um, I just I just wonder about the meaning of the bowls for power five teams that don't make it to the playoff because the mat, you know, the, the group of five schools, I think these games mean a little bit more. I have never been part of the, there are too many bowl game crowd. Now, do I watch every game with the emotion and the interest that I do the regular season? No, but I don't really care if, if they, if they tomorrow announce new rule, teams can play two bowl games. I mean, I wouldn't care. Play two. It just doesn't matter to me. If, if I'm watching one of these games and I'm losing interest, well, so be it. I'll find another game. But, but I don't. As long as ESPN can sell confiscatory ad rates, there's going to be more games. That's just it's simple math. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, Matt, have you seen some of these ideas move the bowl games to the spring? You're like, ah, no, they're not doing that. Nobody's playing bowl games in the spring. No. It's, it's yeah. just we got to look at them like kind of what Bill said. You look at them totally different, and, and it is a way for people to kind of – it almost is like your first spring game as far as an exhibition game, but you're getting to see some of the younger kids, and it's a chance for them to come up and, and, and earn that starting job. Guys, they, uh, Georgia's score was, what, 42-3 to three at halftime? Carson Beck didn't even come back out to play. Gunner Stockton did. I love watching him. Right. So we'll leave it there. Happy New Year. Okay, Always appreciate guys. you yeah, coming guys. on with us on these Tuesdays. Thanks, Happy, guys. Happy New Year. Thanks, Bill. Bill King, Nashville Sports Radio, with us each Tuesday on Halftime. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.